Hey. All right, everybody. Welcome to Ranch Ramblin', the Cowboy Gals podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode, but before we jump in, um, I did just want to introduce myself to any newcomers. Um, I super appreciate you being here. This has been a passion project of mine for a long time. My name's Tucker. I'm the cowboy gal behind the podcast, and I love all things ranching from the cattle to the horses. I am a mom. That's my most favorite thing in, in the whole world. Um, I am kind of not a health nut, but I'm definitely on a health and wellness journey <laughs> that has really uh, become a huge part of my life, and um, that's a little bit about me. So thanks again for being here. Um, this episode I'm really excited about because I have my brother and his wife, Amy, on. You guys met Amy a few episodes ago, um, but Dylan, this is his first time on, and uh, Dylan, just tell us a little bit, and, and Amy, um, as a refresher for anybody that might have missed our first episode, um, just introduce yourselves a little bit, tell us a little bit about what you have going on, um, and then we'll jump in. Awesome. Go ahead. So I'm Dylan, and I'm Tucker's younger brother, younger by five years. Uh, pretty <laughs> good gap there. Um, I credit our friendship to that gap. Um, anyway, I currently run a feedlot in northern Utah and manage a manage the sale yard and sale barn. And I am a certified farrier, so I shoe horses as well. I shot horses for the last five years. Um, that was what I did for a living for the last five years. Um, taking outside horses on the side as well. Still am. Uh, recently I've kind of taken my leather business to the next level and I've started building a lot of shops and a few saddles here and there. So, um, between all of that and raising a small child, um, <laughs> that keeps us pretty busy. Awesome. Awesome. And you guys, I got to put a plug in here. He kind of like downplays all the things he has going on. He's like, oh yeah, no big deal. Just selling a whole bunch of leggings and building a few saddles and all these other things. Uh, Dylan and Amy are busy, busy, and they're really, really good at what they do. Um, and that baby Kate is a handful, but we love her. So <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't trade her for anything, but. She is a handful. Oh, she <laughs> Oh, she's my only niece, you guys, so I, I'll talk about her a lot. If you hang around my social media or anything, she gets quite spoiled from Auntie Tucker. So, um, Amy, just um, reintroduce yourself, I guess, real quick, and tell us what you're into. Yeah, totally. So, hi, guys. I'm Amy. I was on the podcast once before. Um, I'm a certified health and life coach, so that's kind of what I've been pursuing um, most recently I have been, um, a mindset coach for rodeo athletes. So that has been really fun, a really fun business venture for me. Um, I rodeoed all through high school, so it's kind of something that's always been really important for me, um, between that and yeah, playing mom to a really, really crazy, almost one year old, uh, we stay really busy. So that's, that's me. Awesome. You guys, and it's super convenient that they're my family, but um, I asked these guys on because they live the life. This and, and anything you want to talk to them about, they're totally open to. I love both Dylan and Amy so much because they are flat out just up front. If they don't know something, they will tell you. They'll own up to, you know, they'll be like, well, I don't know this, but... 
I know a person who knows this and send you the right direction, but um, I have to tell you this story, you guys, just to speak to Amy's character. This was like the second time we had ever hung out. And, <laughs> and my dad had just, he's gotten this new horse and he's called it COVID. And I was like, oh my hell, that is the stupidest name. And I like just flat out, I'm a little bit that way too, sometimes a little bit blunt and it can sometimes rub people the wrong way. And I said that and I was like, why on earth would you name him COVID? And Amy like looks at me and she's like, that was my idea. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> so we had a good laugh. And yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that was a, I love that about Amy because a lot of people would have been like, yeah, geez, why did you think of that name? And she was just like, uh, that was me. So I knew that, that we'd me. get along really well then. If she could handle my mouth and, and be completely herself about it. And that's the way Amy is and Dylan too. So um, I have them on because of their knowledge and experience um, in a bunch of different directions. As you heard, um, Dylan's managing a feedlot. They are actually putting on a horse sale here in a couple of months. Um, yep, so last Saturday for that. And when? Last Saturday in April. You bet. So you guys hit them up if you yeah. got horses that need sold. It's going to be an awesome sale. Um, last year's went really, really good too. So uh, that's that's a really cool thing they have going on. And with that, I just want to preface what we're going to get into <laughs> with a, a mild explanation. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm getting over a cold, so I'm a little scratchy. So this is going to be the debut episode of what we're calling the Dear Horse Owner episodes. This is going to be similar to the Q&A where it comes up every handful of weeks. Um, and I, ha I have a really fun episode envisioned with this. Um, I do just want to say, though, this is intended to be super light and fun. Um, we all understand that there are listeners at different experience levels, maybe different disciplines. And these are purely our opinions. This is not meant to be like critical or anything. This is how we handle our horsemanship and, and how we operate in our day-to-day -day lives. From us down here in New Mexico on the ranch to up there at the feedlot, to starting the colts and everything in between. This is our experience and our common trends and pet peeves in our niche of the industry. So yours might look different and they might actually um, counteract, you know, what am I saying? Conflict with each other. Um, but this is all meant in good fun and we love a good discussion. So I'm looking forward to opening this up actually and hearing you guys as deer horse owners after this episode. So um, as I was waiting for Dylan and Amy to get done with chores and we could hop on right here, I was flipping through this book called... A library of Congress book called Cowboys, and it's got a bunch of really cool old pictures. As I'm flipping through, <laughs> this quote stands out, and it says, The best seasoning for range cooking is a salty sense of humor. And I thought, huh, perfect for this episode. All right. <coughs> Our first deer horse owner, and what kind of started this whole inspiration was we saw a post floating around Facebook that said, Deer horse owner, pull up the front of your saddle pads. And I called Amy, all right, my screenshotted you and sent it to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. We had a good laugh and then here we are in the episode. But that was intended to be funny. 
And and it was to me because I knew what they were talking about. But to maybe um, a more beginner type horseman or maybe even somebody who hasn't heard of this trick before. Um, I took it as what they were talking about was pulling up the like the front of your pad between your bars, like up into your gullet to give a little bit of motion and pressure release there. Um, but then a little bit later, I was talking to Dylan on the phone and... And I don't know if you want to tell that story, Dylan, but he says something like, man, I got to get rid of this pad. It won't stay where it belongs. Yeah, the other day, actually, it was after we had had this conversation about three days or four, and I just saddled up one of my horses I've got. And I've ridden this saddle pad on like four different horses, and it's done exactly the same thing. I don't know what brand it is, but it just squirts out the back. Like, it doesn't matter if your horse is standing tied up, the saddle, the pad will work underneath the, my skirts of my saddle and end up coming out the back. So that just pisses me right off. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah that's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, uh, I guess while we're there, Dylan, what is that issue? Is it the pad well, quality or the... I don't know what it is because I have a pad that's a different color, that's a different brand, but very similar. Um, it's not that the pad's worn out. It's not that it's old. Like it's a, it's, I probably wrote it 20 times and mm -hmm. I mean like, so it's, <clears throat> it's still pretty much brand new and I just don't know, I don't know what it is, but like, and it's not, it, like I say, it's not just that one horse that moves the shoulders a little bit different than another horse, but it all, right. it'll work back every horse I ride. Colt, broke horse, shark. The only common denominator is the pad. Yeah. Well, that's something to keep in mind, you guys. If you're consistently having an issue, troubleshoot that a little bit. Dear horse owner, is your horse really an easy keeper or are you overfeeding? And I thought that one was... Hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like a lot of a lot of horses really aren't that hard of keepers, but what quality of hay are you buying? Is it like really stemmy it might be off alpha but is it really stemmy or is it got some leaves in it or is it really dry and falls apart or is it like you know a wet soggy bale like what are you feeding your horse just be mindful lots to consider and kind of what i have to pipe in there is like especially if you're using these horses like if they're using horses if they're competing horses obviously they need more calories than just the horse that sits around all the time but that I feel like we still need to be nice to our horses and not overfeed them and, you know, make them all too fat and out of shape when we're also expecting them to show up and compete their best at the rodeos on the weekend or even just work as best they can on the ranch the next day. That's kind right. of my opinion. I agree there. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, they do tend to overfeed their horses without, honestly, without realizing um, just because the way society is and the nature of having a horse is so different than what it was even, you know, 50 years ago, but especially, you know, a hundred years ago and way far, way far back, we have a completely different horse diet and different ways of using the horses. And I think a lot of horses are overfed and underworked. And then people want to wonder why they're sore why they have feet issues, you know, why they don't show up and, and work like they're supposed to. Um, let's see. Dear horse owner, fringe doesn't make you run faster. Hmm. Oh, gosh. No, no, but I build a <laughs> lot of shafts. And let me say, I just finished up a pair of shotguns, custom order. Uh, I absolutely, I, I feel like I did a good job on them. 
But if they had fringe, I would be very much more pleased with them than if then they don't have fringe. They, they don't are. have fringe, and he thinks that he, Dylan likes a fringe. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll admit yeah. to that. Um, I really dig those tripping collars with the blood knots, with the yeah. tails. You know, there's yeah. I've seen some with like ten or twelve, and then some with just like six across the width of the yeah. collar. But right, I, right. And honestly, I've seen some of those collars. Like, I'm not putting people in a category here, but the barrel racers that are, it's real long fringe. And some of those that are done right actually look pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Collins. It doesn't make you run faster, but it, it makes cool. you feel cool. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it helps you run faster. Who knows? Yeah. Kind well, of like the it is kind of a mind thing if you want to play it that way too. Maybe it does make you run faster. If you feel good and you look good, you perform yeah. good. I don't know. <laughs> you bet. I like that. Okay, we kind of hit this one. Dear horse owner, proper saddle fit matters. Um, there's I. I have so much to say about this. <laughs> I feel like this is your area, Tucker. <laughs> oh man, I. Okay, I'm getting kind of vulnerable here. I'm sharing a personal story. <laughs> so my baby, Joker, is, he's five now. He's not a baby. But his three-year-old year, he had to go to work in, in the using string for my husband. And it was just, we had a run of bad luck. And then the ranch had a run of bad luck. And we went from having 21 horses at our disposal to like eight between the whole crew. And it was just a really rough year. And my husband had just gotten a new saddle. And I don't remember all what went down, but you guys are going to totally... I, if you don't have a story like this, then I really have to question your amount of time around horses. But it was supposed to be a 30-minute, we're going to trot out and gather the trap. And everything got cut loose. And it ended up being a long freaking day. And so my husband was using his, that new saddle. And he was going to see how it worked on that little 30-minute adventure that turned into all day. And it ended up chewing a hole in my colt. And he felt so bad. He came home and he thought that I was going to, oh, I felt, I felt bad for him because he felt bad. <laughs> but, and if you guys, I know you don't know my... You guys don't know my husband, but he is like meticulous about saddle fit and the pads that he uses. And <clears throat> we've been together for almost 10 years. And that is the first time I've ever seen him put a sore on a horse in any way. And he felt awful. And there's sometimes there's circumstances out of your control. And that just is what it is. But going forward, you know, he's like, well, you know, this really was a little bit too wide for this horse. Let's try it on this horse. And, you know, it fit a couple other horses just fine, but that's definitely wasn't a saddle that you can hop from animal to animal. <laughs> um, okay. Dear horse owner, this is a pet peeve of mine too. Dylan will, Dylan will have something to say about this for sure. Aimlessly running in circles does not accomplish anything for your horse. Whether you are lunging the horse or... In the arena, you can literally lope one stupid. 
So I actually have a lot to say about this. This is a very touchy <laughs> subject with me. Not touchy because I enjoy talking about it. It's very, pa it's, I'm very passionate yeah. about it. Uh -huh. Round pens are great. Round pens are great. And growing up the way that I did, I know that Tucker and I kind of had a different childhood. Having the age gap there, our dad had really progressed and and done, started doing things a, a little bit different by the time I was big enough to really get around and and start learning and start actually getting in and helping. We took a, we flipped a lot of horses. We took a lot of problem horses and made them not problems anymore for people and then buying and selling as well. But one of the the most recent experiences I've had in this is I've I, <laughs> a, a close friend of mine had a had a, an outside horse that she had had for a couple months and the horse prior to her getting this horse it had bounced the horse had bounced around from trainer to trainer to trainer she's four years old now and nobody had ever rode her like four-year-old horse having consistent work there's a problem there and um growing up dad snubbed me and i got on the colts when i was I snubbed dad while well, he got on the Colts and then dad snubbed me and I got on the Colts when I got big enough. And so I've always ridden kind of the rough string my whole life. And I fit in well with that. I feel I, I understand bucking horses and I understand Colts, I think kind of, <laughs> um, anyway, but this poor mare, I, I was asked to help, help my friend with this mare. And, and so she'd been working the mare for, I don't know, probably 20 minutes, a half hour. And she had, started to belly up on it several times that past week so she'd gotten up and down and up and down and up and down and the mare had handled it fine well today not today but that day she got up and if she was going to get back down the mare scattered and took off and ran into the fence and it was a whole big terrible traumatic experience for the both of them now my friend is a little bit less experienced than um than some other people and so she's she hasn't seen that a ton but mostly just in problem yeah. horses and so Problem horses, like I said, that's what I grew up with. That's what I know. And so I, I stepped into the round pen with this horse, and my first thought was, and I actually said it out loud to Amy, I said, somebody had flagged this poor horse to death. And the first thing I did, I pulled that <coughs> horse's saddle. I wasn't going to ride in her saddle if I was going to get on it, and I wanted that option if I needed it. So I, pull, I put, put my saddle in the round pen, and I took the flag, and I threw it out of the round pen, just like a spear, right out of the round pen. And I just... I put a shorter leader up on this horse so I, I didn't have anything to tap her on the butt with and she was strictly going off my body language and within a week I was riding that horse by myself round penning too much like I said that horse had probably had honestly probably 120 round pen days on it and she did not need that yeah she needed some round pen days and lunging a horse in circles and circles and circles that was her break when you give a horse a break and you're asked, like, they're trying to air up and they catch their wind, usually they come into the center of the circle and let you pet them. This mare wanted to trot and lope around the round pen because she thought that was what she was doing. That, right. was, her that was her escape from having to do anything. Yeah. And so there's very sensitive, very intelligent horse who had just been over round penned. And yeah. due, due to no fault of my friend who I mentioned, but it... It starts. It started way before, way before you know they that. had even got their hands on it. But I I get really passionate about it too because I just firm. I'm of the firm opinion that 
And it, it depends too on your horse's temperament. Do you have a horse that is pretty chill, relaxed? If you do, you're probably not going to spend all that time lunging them anyway. So I think we see it a lot less in those really calm, easy tempered horses, but especially in these horses that can get hot really quick. I feel like a lot of people's instinct is to just get them tired or, you know, work all those wet saddle pads into them or whatever the heck people say, which is true to an extent. But like Dylan said, if, if that's a mindless activity for them and if that becomes their rest because uh -huh. they don't have to worry about trying to do anything else and failing, I feel like that is a huge issue as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So growing up, um, like Dylan said, <laughs> our, uh, our childhoods were a little bit different being that he was what you were, let's see if I, so I was 11 when I started my first Colt solo. Go so on. you, that horse was a jerk. <laughs> he was an ass. Um, he was really, really cool. And I am really thankful for what he taught me. But he was a bucking sucker. And I am not saying that because I was the one riding him. I'm saying that because I would go places and he would buck and people would be like, Tucker, what are you doing on this horse? Like, so with him, he was like a prime example that we could have round pinned him into numbness. But you'd have got yeah. killed if you'd done that on a horse like him. So dad always said... Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, Dylan, this part wasn't different, but uh, he, dad would always say, keep his mind busy. If he's going to blow up, get his mind busy. Move his feet, move his feet. Not move him mindlessly, but keep his mind busy. And that means not endlessly running in circles. You've got to, you're working on this, you're working on that. You're getting his brain working while his feet are going. And eventually that horse made a really, really, really cool horse. Um, and I re I wish that I could restart him with where I am now, which still has a long ways to go. But just compared to my little 11-year-old tiny self, I wish I could give that horse a better chance with my experience and all the horses I've had since then. But um, that's one of my biggest like takeaways whenever I talk about round pinning is, like you guys touched on, that's like people's answer is, oh, the horse is, the horse is fresh, we'll just run him. Okay, well, the horse is fresh, but he's not fresh necessarily because his, he has his a, body like, might his, his body might be fresh, but his <laughs> mind is fresh as well. Like, yeah. like you were saying, you can run the horse into numbness. You can lope him around the round pen into numbness. And yeah. <clears throat> um, like... That's not warming up their mind. They're still fresh in their mind. You know, you do something else to yeah. warm up their mind. And right. Especially too, when you don't really have, when you're not working with their mind, what are you doing when yeah. you're just running them and running them and running them? You're getting them in better shape to continue to fight you. Yeah. If you, yeah. you know, can't work with them. Here, Dylan. Right. <clears throat> right. I love that. And I also think that in. Like, that, that horse in Dylan's story, it went through however many people until it got to you guys. And I think a lot of people unintentionally use the round pinning as the crutch. Oh, the horse isn't ready. The horse isn't ready. Is it the horse that's not ready or is it you? And that's where you just got to get kind of honest with yourself and be like, am I ready to step on this horse? Because this horse is ready. And if you're not, outsource to somebody. Find somebody that will 
or can or whatever, but some people end up reverting to that round pin as the crutch and actually doing the horse a really terrible, sad disservice and then letting it go through four trainers before it finally gets to be a horse, right? It's wasted a couple years of its life floating around. <clears throat> uh, okay. Dear horse owner, pick your horse's feet out more than once a year. <laughs> uh, dear horse owner, it's not that you can't find a good farrier, it's that your horse is spoiled and untrained. Dylan, did we hit a hot spot? Clinton Anderson, Clinton Anderson made a video, I saw it on Facebook a little while ago, <clears throat> and he uses some choice language, but basically he said, you got the farrier coming out? Well, get your horse ready. Like, train, pick your horse's feet up. Your farrier is not your, most likely not your horse trainer. He shouldn't have to be your horse trainer. That's not how your horse learns to stand while he's getting his shoes on. Your horse should right. be taught that. And then, like, I, and I, I used to work as a vet tech. And so I have people ask me all the time. They're like, hey, like, I'm kind of concerned about, you know, my yearlings or my, um, two-year-old's feet, like, do you think I should have a shoer come out? I was like, well, can you pick their feet up? Well, no. Well, then my answer to you is going to be no. Like, work on your horse. Get them to pick their feet up. Get them to be good with their feet. It's understandable if they get a little nervous the first time your shoer comes out, but... Horsemanship is a big part of being a horseshoer, and and you have to learn how to get around horses. If you're going to be a farrier, you need to learn how to get around every horse, every type of horse. Bad ones... Like we're saying, let him go back to the trainer for a little while. But if it's just a colt, this is first time, be quiet with him and learn how to get around him. And that's going to solve a lot of your horsely problems because who's been working with the horse with the colt? Just the owner or just the trainer, right? So like that horse is never speaking. Ease up to him. Let him sniff your hand. Let him sniff you. You know, let him get get to know the horse first a little bit before you just go right to his foot and pick him up like a gorilla. Yeah, I dare say any like respectable farrier is like that and so if you're not getting if he's not returning your calls if he's not returning your texts you've probably got some work to do you bet that's a <clears throat> that's a hot topic around here because dylan and my dad <laughs> um, he we grew up going with him to clients for him to shoe horses my husband's a farrier dylan is a farrier and so we see the backside of that and and it's like <clears throat> look if <clears throat> half the time if you could if if the horse owners could just be flat out honest with what you're dealing with you're going to be a lot more apt to handle that yearling but i can't tell you how many times timmy's been like yeah are they good to do because he has to plan his day if it's going to take three hours to get around at your two horses, then he can't schedule another client for the day, right? So if, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, they're good, they're good. And then you get there and they try to kick your head off. Like, come on, just, just be up front and yeah. be for real. And like Dylan was saying, most respectable farriers will give your horse a chance and plenty of chances because they love the horse for for the right. horse you know that horsemanship factor but um yeah well like as a farrier a full-time farrier for a long time i make my living with my body like i am my biggest asset 
So if I get around a shitty horse to do and it kicks me in the leg and breaks my femur, I am screwed. My family's screwed. I don't have, I don't pay in a workman's comp, you know, like a lot of people right. do set that up, but like, that's not something that I necessarily did because, well, I just didn't do bad horses. I'd show up. And if it kicked a couple of times, I said, you know what? It's not worth it for me to do this. I'm sorry. Work with your yeah. horse. Call me back when your horse is better to do mm-hmm. or get drugged. Like I don't, I prefer not to do them with drugs, but you know, that's also, that's also a chance um, that, you know, some, sometimes it's necessary. Some horses are just, have had a bad experience in the past due to no fault of the farrier or the current owner. And sometimes you just got to get them sleepy. Right. Well, and there again, I think the communication is half the battle. If you can just say like, yeah. look, yeah. I got yeah, like this saying, horse. Dear horse owner, know your horse. And Amy's going to have something to say about this one. Dear horse owner, it's not the vet's fault your horse was sore to begin with. So, so check your tood, basically, when you take him to the vet. Like, <laughs> will you elaborate, Aunt Amy? <laughs> yes, oh my gosh. So, I worked as a vet tech at Strictly an Equine uh, Veterinary Practice for five or six years, and... The amount of people who come in and just feel entitled to, ah, oh, like they, they just come in just so angry and I can understand their anger. Like their horse is sore. They need to come in. And we did primarily, um, like performance lameness type stuff. So if your horse was coming into the clinic, they're most likely lame. And so, um, the amount of people though, that came in and just immediately were nagging and yelling and just super angry and almost treating us not almost would treat us like it was our fault and it was just like hey like first off check what tucker said check your attitude because it is not our fault we are here to help this is what we're here doing so be nice the technicians are working their tails off sometimes we're working upwards of 12 to 14 hours a day just to fit your horse in who who came up late that same or came up lame that same day. And so it's like, we're working hard. We understand you're working hard. And it's, it's hard to have a horse that's, that's lame. And so, you know, I'm not saying that it's not okay to be angry, but don't be angry at us. We're doing our best. We're there to help you. And so like, just, just come in and be nice to us and we'll be a lot um, nicer to you. <laughs> we yeah. try we we're nice anyways we try at least I can only speak for my experience I you know try to be nice but it is really hard when people come in kicking and screaming and well, being all when rude you're on, it's hard to do your best work yeah when you're on hour 16 of your day that's now turning into a longer day because your horse is hurt and we're here being kind and helpful and and I also have that tech experience so I can um sympathize with Amy. <laughs> I couldn't think of that word for a second. Um, a little bit there because it's like, no, look, we're here to help. We can only do what we can do. Like you yelling at us isn't going to make your horse better. Like just, let's just all take a deep breath. <laughs> yes, let's all take a deep breath. We probably don't have all the answers right off the bat. Like give us some time, <laughs> work with us. And right. Two, I think sometimes, like, people are just so emotionally charged that, like, there are times that people will bring in their horse and demand, like, we need to know what's going on. We need to know what's happening. 
Um, he's been like this for only like two days now. I'm afraid something's wrong. And then in the same breath, sometimes when they're that angry, they're like, oh, but I'm not paying for any diagnostics. And it's like, guys, like, right. do you want answers? <laughs> do you not want answers? Like, we can, we don't have a magic ball. Like, you have yeah. to work with us here. It's that, like, that mentality has to change when you show up to the vet clinic. Like, you really need to start being nicer to the yeah. vets and techs and receptionists and everyone yeah. there. That is true. Um, all right. Dear horse owner, please float your horse's teeth more than once a decade. <laughs> and uh, may I add, yes. before they are a decade old. Let's like yeah. stop normalizing floating your horse's teeth when they're only when they're twenty years old. Yeah. Yep. Your damage let's is done. Let's start them a little younger, guys. Please touch your horse's ears once in a while. That's um I have something to say about this one. Um I have a horse that is one of my favorite horses I've ever rode in my entire life. And he is cool as can be. He's a great big and he's been there and he's done that and if you want it done, you can do it on him. Anyway, that being said, if you're going to bridle him, you better put your hobbles on him. <laughs> because I happen to know the fellow that I got him from. And he had ticks in his ear when he was a little younger. And rather than doing it the way that I would have done it, which is not, I'm not saying it's the right way. I'm not, I'm not saying that I would have done right, but I probably wouldn't have tied him down and grabbed hold of his ears and pulled the ticks out with a pocket knife. Oof. It's a little like, rough. And then, and then never done anything then never, after that. Yeah, then never, never followed up. You know, sometimes you have to do what you have to do, but I feel like the follow-up there was crucial. Yeah. And steps yeah. were not taken. You can kind of do some damage control so, after. Yeah. yeah. So touch your horse's ears. Get them good with their head, but don't overdo it. If you touch my ears too many times in a row, I'm going to have to bite you too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that being said, if I if he knows he's hobbled, he stands like you can clean his ears out with a Q-tip. But for him, it's just a mental block now. Like yeah, he doesn't fight. Like it's not a fight anymore at all when he's hobbled. Like he just stands yeah. there nicely. But he, for some reason, but I think I'm, it's a safety for him. Yeah. Almost, he feels more safe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That way. But it it took me a long time. I worked with him an awful lot to get to where I could even just put my bridle on him with. Like, even just put my halter on him on the pin without him turning his head and pulling his head away. Like, well, and like, I mean, you'll hear us talk about this on, on our, you know, cowboy type episodes here, but like, everything you do with the horse should be to set him up for success because there's not a guarantee that a horse will be with you the rest of his life. So, like, this right. horse, what, like, what if this horse would have went to somebody that was less experienced than Dylan? Like, when a horse flings their head, they can do some damage. And some of them get nasty and start striking. You know, there's there's all kinds of potential that way that does the horse a huge disservice that would take literally five minutes of a friendly experience a day and you never have to worry about that the rest of the horse's life. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Dear horse owner. Uh, it quotes, is he a kid's horse? That question is so loaded. Like, how handy is your kid? Because Dylan and I rode things at 8, 10, 12 years old that 
a lot of 8, 10, 12 year olds that I know would not have done well on. And a lot of them I do know would have also, but that's Weren't such an open-ended, like, individual question. Uh, um, kid, is your horse, is your horse uh, walking dead? Or is he a kid's horse? Like, <coughs> Yeah, very, very loaded question. Tell me, yeah. tell me about your kid and I'll tell you if this horse will fit. Yeah. And that's where, okay. that's where videos and pictures and FaceTime calls can only go so far. You got to go look at the horse in person if you're going to buy a kid horse, especially yeah. with your kid. I didn't understand this as much until I had a kid, but like, <laughs> hey, that's your kid. like, don't just put yeah. that sucker on a bronc. Like, wait till he's old enough to handle the bronc or whatever. Dear horse owner, please reevaluate your halter choice. The nylon and metal snaps belong with the sheep herd. Like, just take it off your horse. <laughs> yeah. Today, for There's example, <laughs> today, for example, I went, I was shoeing horses this afternoon and I went to a stop and a nice little uh, two-year-old filly. I've uh, been at the trainers for a little while and um, I usually take my own halters, but I forgot one this time. And I go to the guy's place. I call him on the phone. I'm like, hey, I left my halter at home. Do you happen to have one hanging around? He's like, yeah, I grabbed one out of the horse trailer. So I did. My only options were nylon buckle halters and snap lead ropes. I can't tell you how many times I've had horses hang back and bust snaps. Um, it doesn't yeah, matter how broke your horse is. Off, that's not fun. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, this colt, she was really good. Like, really good to shoe. Didn't really have any, very many problems. But... When you're shoeing, when I'm shoeing, I like my horses to stand a certain way so I can look at them. And, and then when they're when I go to pick a foot up, they're standing comfortably on the other three feet. So I don't have a problem with them falling down or leaning or, or something. And I just wanted this horse to take half a step back. And I had to, like, as soft, I know the guy who this horse has been at training. And as soft as I feel like his horses should be, this horse did not back up when I asked it to back up by, by lightly pulling on its halter. Like, I actually had to use... The muscle in my arm and pushing back a little bit with that halter and it's it's because of the nylon if that horse would have had a rope on i firmly believe that he would have taken a step back and just softened up his nose a little bit right that's what it comes yeah. down to me is the feel that you lose on those nylon webbing halters you lose so much feel on your horse and inadvertently you end up making them a little heavier a little you know number and um I don't know. I feel like with the rope halter, you can, you know, we, I don't ride my broke horse with a halter on, but it's. Okay. So our next one is dear horse owner. The answer is not always butte. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you feel like that is so overused <laughs> yeah like if, it definitely has its place but I think there's a lot of other things to look at long term it's not a long term solution and a lot of people use it like that And that... <clears throat> one thing I do like about Butte though is sometimes it can help break the pain cycle if a horse was lame, problem is fixed like maybe it can break the pain cycle and then they can get back to feeling good you know what i mean once like it's like ibuprofen and the headache 
you have a headache. You take ibuprofen, the headache goes away, and now you no longer have a headache. Like, right. I think too right. though. Sometimes it could be used, like what Tucker was saying at first, like detrimentally. Are we giving a horse butte that really just needs like a couple days off, and now we're masking pain that's gonna get worse and worse and worse because the horse can't feel that pain. Right. That's my, right. my take on it. Make sure, right. make sure your horse is okay and make sure they don't just need some time off or to be evaluated further before you do get the mute is great, like what Dylan said, to break that pain cycle and kind of get them back feeling good. Or as an anti-inflammatory, I think that's great as long as we're not causing further issues. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right, dear horse owner, when you say that your horse has done every aspect of ranch work, please mean it. Dear horse owner, quit getting mad when your horse trashes you after he's been on a supplement. It's not his fault that he finally feels good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read a, I tried to find it, but um, I must not be searching the right things. I don't remember what account posted it, but there was a quote that said that, but a lot better. It was like, your horse's nutritional needs are actually being met. Like, don't be surprised when he has a ton of energy. And uh, that kind of goes back to the, when we were talking about the overweight horses, I think a lot of yeah. times they don't have like their natural uh, diet so much anymore. It's all, or activity level even, it's all what we have decided works for us as humans. And so yeah. you've got to adjust for that. Dear horse owner, please read the whole ad before you ask the seller any questions. Um, if it says specifically, please PM for more info, just PM for more info. <laughs> because yeah. yeah, when it says PM for price and location, everybody in their yeah. dog comments in the in the comments. Price please, location please. Like Yep. Yep. You just and I, that me. And price and location. Nine times out of ten, they've left a phone number. Or explicitly said, message me. Because people use Messenger like a texting app. But that doesn't mean that they check their comments. So your comment's likely going to go unanswered. Yes. Plus, you can read instructions very well. So. Well, and I even do spend a fair amount of time in the comments on Facebook. And even like when I post something, <clears throat> like if I have something for sale or trade, I'll post it and say, PM me for a price or PM me for more info. And people comment, mm -hmm. more info, please. It's like... I want to do the deal and I want to sell this or I want to make the trade or whatever, but I don't want to respond to these people who obviously can't take two more seconds and read the ad. Literally two more seconds. Yeah. If you're the right. one interested and they ask you to PM them, just, just message, message them. them. Just do it. Well, and I think all three of us have been on both sides of that before. And all right, you guys, I want to pick this one apart a little bit. And I think we should actually do an episode later on a full episode about this topic specifically because there's that much there. Dear horse owner, stop saying that you can't ride the papers. Um, because you can't, you can't ride the papers, but they do make a difference. And I'm, will be the first one to advocate for a great horse, but you can't beat that quality genetics that are proven winners. That's yeah, just, there's nine times out of ten there's generally a reason why someone is breeding these horses and breeding these horses and breeding these horses and, and keeping these bloodlines going it's because they've proven themselves like 
you can see the difference. It's all, and, and it's not always this way. Like Tucker said, every now and then you'll get a good grade horse. In fact, two of my best horses are great and will never have papers. But a couple of my best horses are papered <laughs> and they're really nicely bred. And there's a reason why they're on the keep list, not the sell list. But breaking a horse in the first 30 days, you can definitely <clears throat> notice a difference with the papers or without. Given there there are some exceptions, but the the notice it's definitely noticeable. Yeah. Definitely. Um Dylan said there's a reason these lines have been continued. It's because they're proven, they're smart, they use their mind, you know. They yeah. think plus physically they can hold up for the typically and they I would, this is a whole other deal too. They should hold up for the job that they're meant for. Yeah. Yeah. Now, totally now, on the other side of that, playing the devil's advocate here, there are some papered horses that don't mean shit. Like, yes. you, get the, you get these papers and nobody's ever heard of any of these horses. And it's like, well, or, that, might have, that one might have been a good horse. Like, maybe, say the, say the mare was a really good mare, a really good horse, but she was not a proven producer. Maybe she produced shit. Maybe her mom was shit. Maybe she just, somebody sold her and because she wasn't worth anything. Her now all of a sudden, she turned out to be a really badass horse, and she just can't produce. She just does not yeah. produce. So there are some papered horses out there that ain't worth a damn either. But Right. Well, and I'm going to, this is, right. I'm going to toss this out there, too, and this might ruffle some feathers, but this is my opinion, and I will stand by it to the death. <laughs> Um, a great example of that is the impressive bloodlines. Those horses don't hold up for the kind of work that we do because of their physical health problems. They are actual problems that like 99% of his offspring, I looked up the numbers the other day because I was talking with a friend about it. A ton of his offspring uh, exhibit that and carry it. So it's like, why are we continuing to breed these horses then that have legitimate dangerous physical issues you know <clears throat> a lot of those horses are blacklisted from a lot of studs right tucker i think you yeah, told me. yeah. so stuff like yeah. that like i think i think us as horse owners just need to do the research whether we are going to buy something papered or we're not i think it is our job to make sure if we are going for bloodlines what kind of bloodlines is best going to fit us how are we going to you know be able to benefit the horse and their needs and all that kind of stuff, just right. so that we're carrying on and doing our due diligence as well. Yeah, if you're trying to go work yeah. cows and, and have a little cutting horse, why would you go buy it off the track thoroughbred that's Harlem bred? Like, it's not, not going to work. Right. You know, if, if you think about that too, your bloodlines are bred, especially nowadays. Uh, having shot for some, some of the best uh, cow horse trainers in the world, there's been a lot of horses that are bred strictly for cow horse, right? That's what you make your metallic cat. Um, all these, all these other, I uh, could name a thousand, but um, they're bred strictly for working cows, for reading cows, for performing. Mm -hmm. That horse is not going to outrun a thoroughbred. So mm -hmm. if you want to race something, go get a, a, an appendix or, or whatever. So if you're in a discipline, a right, whether you're in dressage, whether you're riding English, whether you're a cowboy punching cows all the time, whether you're a cow horse trainer training cutting horses, whether you're a breakaway roper or a barrel racer, get 
something that fits your niche. You know, if you're yeah. if you're dragging bulls out of the arena as a pickup man, go get a draft cross. You know, like there's plenty of big right. core horses that could do the job too. But you know, find the breed, find the bloodlines that match your your mo. Discipline. And, yeah, your discipline yeah. <laughs> and make it work. That being said, I don't think it ever hurts to, you know, try out different dif- disciplines with your horse. I think the more experience you could have and the more yeah. skills you can have them learn. Yeah. But in the long run, if you've got a running horse, they're probably not going to do best in the sorting pen or, right. you know, what I yeah, mean. Yeah, I agree. I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm I'm also a very big supporter of having an all-around horse. If I have a horse, I better be able to do whatever I want to do on it. That being said, I'm not trying to win a race. I'm not always roping and dragging bulls out of the arena, and I'm not always cutting cows. But I want a horse that I can damn sure jump on and go match race somebody if I'm screwing around having fun and have a fast horse to catch a steer, to do whatever. If I'm roping, I want something that wants to read a cow and go with the cow or if I'm sorting cattle, whatever, you know. You want something that's stout and has some bone and some size. So when you do tie onto a bull every now and then, they're not going to fall apart and have a, a come apart on the first time. I really, right. I really am big on all around, all around horses, and that's kind of what we're after when we're breeding our horses. We just have a little breeding program here, and uh, that's kind of what we're going for. That's what I'm going for. No, I agree with everything you guys said. There's, there you can play both sides, but at the end of the day, you know something with proven genetics is gonna end up serving you better than. The cult from who knows whose backyards, friends, Mustangs, whatever, because she was cute, you know. So, um, I think that, like I said, we could discuss this all day, the ins and outs of that, but that's something to keep in mind. Um, okay, dear horse owner, <laughs> as fun as it sounds, letting the horse and the kid learn together is going to get somebody hurt. Oh, so this is, this is my favorite subject. Maybe not, but I really enjoy this one. Like, it just bothers me to death. Why would you give a two 12-year-old kids a math textbook and say, okay, go do trigonometry? It's not going to work. They're going to figure design, something Go design out. a building. And yeah. their confidence is going to plummet, yeah. too. Yeah. Hmm? Having a bad yes. experience for the and horse and the person is not ever a good thing. It's going to set them up for long-term confidence issues and overall, honestly, fear in whatever's going to happen. They're going to have, you know, fear of being embarrassed, fear of falling off, fear of something happening because they were on a horse that wasn't trustworthy because they were just going to grow up and learn together. Get them right. Now, when you're just starting, get them something that they can have fun on. Yeah, a gentle, a gentle horse that's kind and has a handle on it already. That your kid's going to go screw up because, let's face it, we all screw horses up. Our first horses were definitely, I, I'm, we, I still screw horses up. I screw horses up all the time. Um, I try not to. And I actually make a couple of nice horses, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everything everything kind of comes with time, and so make sure that when you are have a kid that's starting out or a horse that's starting out, go to the right source. Yep. I don't know what that yep. is. 
Seek ask, assistance. Ask a friend. Yeah. Yep. Seek it. You know, that's perfect. That actually leads me to, um, dear horse owner, you're never too experienced to learn more. So yeah. hire a coach, take lessons. Like Amy said a second ago, try a different discipline. Go ride with a trainer. Like, yeah. Yeah. When you're you should, up, honestly, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, and when you, you know, even if you are super experienced, if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, there's nothing better for you than to go ride with someone. Yeah, and and if you start out right and your confidence is going right, there's nothing that builds my confidence more than when I go ride with a trainer and they give me things to work on. You know, different, you know, when you're cutting a cow, beat him to the fence. Like, little things like that, and it's like, like, I'm not a complete gunsel, I feel, and, and I can ride a horse pretty good, and when you go with somebody and they're like, hey, you're doing this good, let's step it up and go in this direction or hey that's probably not the best way to do things like let's take a step back and look <laughs> at this and reevaluate why you're doing that and look at some other options of getting the same thing done and like that boosts my confidence a lot because i'm like okay now i have another thing to work towards it's not just mindless work you know not just doing the same thing right. you've already done you know it gives you new new ideas new hands and and new eyes on the on your horse and you especially all right dear yeah um okay dear we're about done you guys just a couple left dear horse owner i promise 90 percent of you are not riding your horses hard enough um and i know that we touched on this a little bit i don't remember a while back um I think a lot of people underrate their capabilities of their horse and end up babying them. Then the horse is like, dude, I'm bored. And they sync up bad habits and start, you know, pulling punches they probably wouldn't have. And and you're going to hold the buckle with the person and the horse and all the things. They just need to be used. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to be said for Miles. Um, last one right here, um, which actually goes with a couple of the other things we talked about, but I loved this and I think it actually came from Amy's dad. Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, but dear horse owner, there's no profit in starving your horses. That did come from Papa Vaughn. He's told all of his life. I've never known my dad to ever have a skinny horse in the backyard. And that kind of comes from, sorry, I'll go off a little bit on this one and kind of explain. Um, my dad's family comes from a long line of racehorse people. And back in the day, like, they did all they could win except feed their horses properly. <laughs> and I think it's kind of just an old-timer thing. I won't, I won't necessarily say it's the racing industry. I don't want to put those people in a box. But a lot of the old racehorse people that I know, you know, they didn't have a lot of money. They won money at the races. And so... That's just what they did. They didn't feed their horses a well, bunch, but they took them to the races in the week every weekend. So. I remember, I remember um, when I was working on the ranch on for Jerry Mack down in New Mexico. We were down the lot one time, and we brought the horses in. They'd been out the horse pasture, and we just brought them up in, and we were going to start some works. And so we were getting the the string caught and going to start getting them legged up. And he looked at me one day as I set a big bale with the skid steer in front of the feeder. He says, "If you ride them." feed them, feed them. If not, turn them out. And so that's, uh, if you ride them, yeah, feed them, but you gotta feed the poor suckers anyway. 
if they're turned out on a pasture, that's fine, you know, as long as there's feed there. <laughs> but um, if you don't ride your horses, they don't need a huge, a high, super high protein diet that a horse that's performing and getting their guts pounded out every day is going to need. They don't need that same amount of feed, no. But a horse is a ruminant, and a ruminant needs to have feed in their system all the time. That's how they're designed. They're designed to have feed in their system all the time. And I've I've found that as long as you're consistent with your schedule and how you feed and everything once a day, twice a day, three times a day, however you want to feed your horses, if you just want to drop a bale in their pen and let them eat it, they figure out their systems and get them on the system and keep them on that system. And that's how they do best, in my in my opinion. If they yeah. know when their next meal is coming, whether it's, you know, I'm not saying feed at five and five every time. Um, because lots of times you start before five and you ride till well after five, you know. But as long as that horse gets a feed in the morning and a feed at night, I've found that my horses do best that way. Whether I'm riding them, and if I am, if they're getting used hard in the fall and the spring when I'm riding a lot, I, I bump their feet up and I get them a grade hay. But if those horses in the summertime, like in the and in the dead of the winter, winter's different because here where we are it gets cold and they need more energy to stay warm. But <clears throat> summertime, the horses aren't using their energy to get stay warm. They're not getting their guts pounded out. I'm going to drop them back a little bit. I'm not going to feed them as much. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. There's a lot of really interesting research that's starting to happen. I think a lot of it's coming from the UK, but there's a lot of really cool equine nutrition research that's coming out. Um, that's just really fascinating to listen to about, like what Dylan said, the way their bodies are designed. And you guys... I'm going to have a whole episode where we share Jerry Mack stories because that man, he's one of the last of the old boys, you guys. I get all emotional thinking about it. Yeah. Dylan and I got to work with him for a couple of years, and um, I worked with him right up until I got pregnant with Sylvia. Um, but that was that was a really neat experience on one of it's his family's ranch that they've had since Since they they settled this area of new mexico yeah Yeah. and like some of the stories he could tell were just just wild i'm gonna have a jerry mack episode just because because he it was that was so much fun and it was awesome that dylan and i got to be there together sorry go ahead we'll need to get timmy in on that episode i'm (laughs) yeah and he'll he'll tell his he'll tell his share but from what I understand, him and Jerry had some times together as well. <laughs> yeah, he had more times with Jerry than Dylan and me did combined, but um, it's it's quite the legacy that that man has continued, and that's that's why we're here, you know? It's it's important to remember where we came from and what we're working for, and that was got way off of our little dear horse owner <laughs> subject, but that's important. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you guys, that's all the... The deer horse owner quips I have. Is there something you guys would like to add before we wrap up? No, I think that no, was good. I don't good. think so, yeah. Okay, that was an awesome discussion. I know if you're listening and you're still here, you guys are the the MVPs, the OGs. Uh, this was a little longer, but I hope you guys enjoyed it as, as, as much as we did because we've been giggling the whole time and, and uh, we like discussing things like this. And again, not in a... These are not meant to be critical at all. These are what we run into. 
these are the things we deal with in our personal lives. Yeah, and, lighthearted. Um, it's all all intended to be fun and educational, hopefully. And um, I'm looking forward to doing this again because we had a lot of fun. Next time we'll get Timmy in on this one. He was supposed to be in on this one this time, and we ended up with sick kids that need a little extra attention. So he's with them while we <coughs> do this deal. And anyway, so you guys, uh, we mentioned a little bit about uh, Dylan and Amy are putting on a horse sale this spring. They've got a couple irons in the fire that they got going on. So where can can we find information? You know, where can people find you if they want to look up that horse sale or um, follow you? Amy, you've got some cool things going on social media. Dylan, with your leather work, give us give us the goods. Yeah, so you can find our horse sale at Basin Premier um, Horse Sale. Yeah, Basin on, Premier Horse Sale on, on Facebook. Facebook and on Instagram. And we also have a web page, so if you just Google, like if you go to, we have a website, so if you just type in Basin Premier Horse Sale, uh, I you believe it's find, .com. Find it there. Yeah, um, you can reach out to either Dylan or I. Maybe I'll have Tucker um, put our social media in the show notes or something, and we'd love to give you more info. Yeah. And as far as my leather work and stuff goes, um, Dylan Jacobs on Facebook. I also have a Facebook page for my leather work, which is uh, Dylan Jacobs Leather. Really easy. If you go to my profile, you can find it. Um, cool. TikTok. I'm on TikTok, and I've got some stuff going on on there. So uh, <laughs> Dylan.Jacobs on TikTok. Um, so, yeah. We'd love to chat. Right. Yep. Yeah. All right, you guys heard it. You're going to look forward to having Dylan, Amy, and Timmy next time on our next Deer Horse Owner episode. In the meantime, please submit your Deer Horse Owners. What are your pet peeves that you run into in your discipline, your experience, your area of expertise? What is that that you run into that just drives you nuts? And send them in to us. We would love to chat about them on our next Deer Horse Owner episode. Um, also, if you have been around from the beginning, I've had a giveaway running for all the um, podcast subscribers until this episode goes live, which it will be live if you're listening to this. So hop over to uh, my social media, um, Instagram, tm.ranch.ramblin, um, to see the winner or Facebook at it's just Tucker Martin, just my name. I'll be announcing those <clears throat> about noon tomorrow. Um, I'm going to give the last minute or is a minute to get their entries in. And um, so we'll be announcing that. And thank you all for being here. You guys are awesome. And check the show notes for how to get hold of Dylan and Amy. See what they're up to. And I promise you won't regret it. It's, it's an awesome community to be part of. They're really great people to connect with. And their horse sale is going to be awesome this spring so be sure that you get your consignments in there um all right this was an awesome episode thanks you guys we'll see you next Thank time you. Right. we'll see you guys thanks guys <laughs> oh